Hey, thanks for tuning into our podcast today. My name is Derek Puckett. I'm the lead pastor at Renewal Church of Chicago. If you want to know more information about us, you can head to our website at RenewalChicago.com. I pray today that this message is a blessing and an encouragement to your soul. Well, last week we, we started a series entitled Who We Are. Who We Are. This is our, our vision and value series here at Renewal and by way of reminder, the reason we, we started this series is because, they, I don't know about you, but uh, we've been bombarded by news and media and different ideologies that have been floating around all around us. And, and if, we don't, if we're not aware of it, 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 it really can and cause us to really question what we believe or it really knocks, off, knocks us off our rocker a bit to say, what do we really believe? And so we're walking through this vision and value series to, to not only see what we believe as a church or what we value as a church, but how does that affect us individually, thus also affecting us corporately? How is God calling us to live? And, and what does that look like for us as a church? So we, we started this vision and value series. And our vision here at Renewal, by way of reminder for you, if you haven't heard it throughout the last several weeks, is we want to be a gospel-centered church in the city of Chicago while seeking the welfare of the city, which means that if God saw fit to remove us, the city would miss us because we love the city so well. And this vision of being a gospel-centered church in the city of Chicago rests upon three uh, pillars that I like to say are rhythmic in and indicative, uh, indicative of every believer, which is we want to see people renewed, rebuilt, and released to do the work of Jesus Christ. Now, this vision is accomplished, or I, was, I, I should say worked out in our core values. There's six of them, which are uh, being gospel-centered, aligning biblically, loving others, community, loving the city, and making disciples. Last week, we took a look at being gospel-centered. What does this actually mean? Where everything we do and all that we believe should stem from who Jesus is and what he's done on our behalf. Where I said in a day like today, it's time for Christians to stop, to, to, to take their faith out their back pocket and make it central to everything they're doing. We don't have time for back pocket Christianity. No, we need to stand up for what we believe in, and that should affect everything we do in our lives. If you missed that message, go online, check it out. It's probably on the platform. If you're on YouTube or so, there's store right there. You Listen to that. Catch up with us in our Vision and Value series, because today we're going to go on to our second one, where we're going to talk about what it means to align biblically. Aligning biblically. So if you've got a Bible, go ahead and meet me in 2 Timothy chapter 3. We're going to look at Three verses today, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15 through 17. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15 through 17. If you got it, go ahead and write got it in the chat. Here now the reading of God's word. Starting in verse 15, it says, And how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. The very words of God, amen. Today I want to preach on the topic, stop fronting. Stop fronting. Yeah, we're going to go there this morning. Let, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your goodness. 
Thank you for your word. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. God, I ask that you would hide me behind your cross. Let folks hear from you, not from me. Decrease me so that you may increase. Father, have your way. It's in your mighty name, Jesus. We all said together, amen. Well, family, have you ever known anybody or heard anybody proclaim something about themselves and then you went to go look up the facts about what they said about themselves and and when you looked up the facts, their lives or what they were proclaiming didn't line up with the facts. You ever been there before? Where I'm from, we would call this fronting. No G, we call it fronting. Fronting. (laughs) It's fronting. It's also posing. It's, It's when you you say you're something that you're really not, or you act like something that you're really not. And so if somebody did this where I'm from and we noticed it, we would be like, man, stop fronting. You know that ain't true. You five foot nothing. Ain't no way in the world you can dunk a basketball. You fronting. And see, if I can be honest with you, just for a moment this morning, this before I came to know Jesus, this probably was one of the, the hardest things to get over. When I met people that called themselves Christians, and they would proclaim Jesus' name all up and down the streets, all throughout the school hallways, they would proclaim his name. But then I would, I'd, I'd read the Bible, because I could read, and I could see very blatantly clear that it says that uh, sex before marriage or fornication is, is, is a sin, but yet these same people that are proclaiming Jesus' name all up and down the hallways in front of me, all over the place, they're participating in this willingly, and, and, and at the same time saying, Jesus is my Savior. It didn't make any sense to me. I, I just got to be honest. didn't make any sense to me as a non-believer, like, what, how in the world can you proclaim one thing, but then do the, the direct opposite, which the same, that Bible you believe in calls it sin. Or, or I would hear someone say they're a Christian, but at the drop of the hat, they're willing to curse somebody out if they get crossed or if they say something wrong about them. But then I pick up the Bible, the same Bible, and then James would tell me that we need to be slow to anger. Or, or most of all, if I could just be honest a little bit more, I, I would be hanging with my friends and and back then, if, if I'm real honest with y'all, I was an athlete. I was a big-time athlete in the city of Indianapolis, and I thought I could do whatever I wanted to do, when I wanted to do it, how I wanted to do it, with whoever I wanted to do, which got me into a lot of things that I probably shouldn't have been involved in. But I, I wasn't saved. I didn't know Jesus at the time. And I used to hate when people would be like, D, you crazy. You need to get saved, man. And I'd be like, what? And <laughs> I didn't have as much patience as I do now. God is still working on me, family. Y'all keep praying for me. But I look at them and be like, you got to be kidding me. You want me to believe what you believe, but yet you're hanging with me right here doing the exact same thing that I do, but I'm supposed to believe what you believe, but it has no effect on your life. You got to be kidding me. Friends, hear me. This is why aligning biblically 
is of the utmost importance. If Christians are going to proclaim the name of Jesus, then our lives should point to him and glorify him. And the only way for us to do this rightly in our lives is for our lives to line up with Scripture. Now, now don't get me wrong. Don't hear me wrong when I'm saying this. I, I don't mean to say this in some pharisaical type of way where you hear me saying this and you're like, well, well, well I, I got to be like the Pharisees eh, during the time of Jesus where, where those brothers would take the word of God and they would, they would try to hold to it to the point where they would perform and pretend that they were so holy and they do this just to, to show off in front of people. That's not what I'm telling you. I, I'm not telling you to perform. But what I am saying is that a Christian's life should be so wrapped up in the scripture that when people see you without you even saying something, it should cause them to ask questions because they look at you and they see something different which makes them come towards you and when they start asking questions you start telling them about the goodness of Jesus and all he's done in your life and as they start learning this they get saved because they want that same goodness but hear me this cannot happen apart from Christians being grounded in the scriptures Hear me, family. Christians need to stop fronting and live what they proclaim. See, much of the sin we experience in our lives and us being tossed to and fro by, by every great rhetorically thing that's orated or said or, or even ideologies that are, that are mentioned, it, the reason we can be tossed around is because many of us, if we're honest, our Christianity stops with the name Christian. I know I probably stepped on some toes there. See, as Paul would say in, in 1 Corinthians 3, I want you to grow from drinking milk, spiritual milk, to, to spiritual meat. But many Christians are still babies in the faith. And they have not progressed to drink from drinking milk to eating meat because they have neglected one of the most paramount Spiritual disciplines, which is reading the word. Now, I, I know I'm in a lot of your kitchen right now, and, and I need y'all to keep holding on with me. Stay with me, because my desire for us to be is to be a church that 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 where, where we impact the city, we impact the world. But this cannot happen if we do not make our home as believers the word of God. So as we jump into the text today, I, I, got, I want to ask you, and I want you to, to ask yourselves this question. If, if someone started reading this Bible, and they, they started watching my life from afar, make this personal, if they started watching my life from afar and were reading this Bible, would my life line up with the scriptures? Would my life lift up Jesus? Now, now, I know, I know, this is a tough question. And some of you may be saying, well, Pastor D, there's grace, there's grace. And, and I would say to you, yeah, 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 there's grace. But hear me, hear me clearly. Because, because, because there's grace, that doesn't mean that we can just do whatever we want to do when we want to. No, that's taking advantage of God's goodness. That's taking advantage of his goodness. No, instead, when we truly understand God's goodness, when we truly understand the grace of God, it should make us grateful and actually privileged to even be called Christian. He didn't have to do anything for us, but he 
chose to out of love. See, see, grace and God's goodness should make us want to live for him, not, more, not less. Should make us want to live for him more, not less. Let me say this. Let me say this. I, I need y'all to hear me. You cannot have a good relationship with God if you do not have a good relationship with your Bible. Let me say it again. You cannot have a good relationship with God if you do not have a good relationship with your Bible. The two go together. You can't have one without the other. So let me ask you, does your life line up with the scriptures? Before you answer that question, this question can only be answered yes if we truly understand the importance of Scripture, which is what Paul is trying to get at here in this text today. In essence, what, what, what I'm saying is that, that our Christian walk can only stop being a front when we understand and believe the importance of God's Word. Our, our text today is part of Paul's so to say, farewell letter to his beloved son, Timothy, in the ministry. He, he's probably literally lying on his deathbed. Paul is sitting there waiting for, waiting to be beheaded. This is what is so crazy about this, because he's, throughout this letter, he's giving directions to his son on how to lead and, and encouraging him to keep the faith while he's waiting to be beheaded. He reminds him of chapter one. He says, look, guard this good deposit of faith that has been given to you, Timothy, in chapter 2, he, he's told, he, he tells them to, to, to give the truth of Jesus away to faithful men who will give this truth away to other faithful men and thus make disciples. In chapter 3, he tells them to beware of godlessness and people who twist the word, people who love money and everything else but God. This all leads to the text today. As Paul says, instead of being wrapped up in all that, my son, follow what I have taught you. Follow the word of God. In essence, what he's saying is make sure your life lines up with the word. Verse 15, he tells Timothy that the scriptures contain the explanation of God's plan of salvation through Jesus Christ. Now, listen, family, he doesn't say that that what you feel that that's where salvation is found. No, no, he, he doesn't say salvation can be found contrary to the scriptures. He doesn't say that there are multiple ways to salvation. He says the scriptures lead you to salvation in Jesus. His exact words are from childhood. You've been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. See, what he's saying is that scripture can lead to the knowledge of the truth. It has the power to bring its readers to faith. Paul is saying, son, don't, don't be fooled by all these so-called other truths that are floating around in society or even people or your own feelings. Don't be fooled. Follow the word. Hear me. Basically, he, he's saying the scripture is your guide. He says this, this is what's going to give you strength, my son. When everything else around you is changing and the, the Bible tells us in Ecclesiastes that there's nothing new under the sun. And hear me for the person that is rightly grounded in the scriptures. They are hard to rattle. 
sometimes immovable. And, and friends, this is important because many of us, many of us are suffering right now. We're, we're mentally exhausted. We're tossed to and fro by every way of media or, or news that's coming towards us. We're stressed out and we're more depressed and sad and lonely than ever before. And I can almost bet if you are in that space and you call yourself a Christian, that your time in the word has almost probably been non-existent. It's definitely probably been lacking. See, the word of God, it, it, it isn't just words on a page for us as believers. No, no, no. It's a life source. It's a guide for believers. This brings us to verse 16 through 17 in the text. And Paul says the scriptures. Now, now the Greek word for scripture is graphe, graphe. Everybody say graphe, which usually refers to biblical writings. So Paul begins and he says the, the, that all scripture, all graphe is breathed out by God, breathed out by God. Now, what does that mean? Follow me with this. I don't want y'all to get lost. This phrase where he says breathed out by God is just one big word. It's theonoustos in the Greek. Can you say that? Theonoustos. Now, if we break this word down, you got the first part, which is theo, which is the root word. That, that's, that means God in the original language. Then you got noustach, which comes from the root word nua. It would actually means breath. It means to breathe. Now, noustach is also a derivative of pneuma, which means spirit. So when you correctly translate this word theo, noustach, it means literally God's spirit breathe. Woo! Come on, yeah. God's spirit breathed out. That's where the word comes from. This word does not occur anywhere else in all of scripture. Now notice this. Paul makes special mention that this is God's spirit breathed out in the word. He makes sure to tell us that it's God's spirit, not men writing this. Oh, come on now. See, see, although we have men that have written it. They've been inspired through the work of the Holy Spirit to, to pin these letters. Paul is trying to relate to us the divine origin of Scripture. He, he doesn't mention men in there anyway. He, he talks about the writings themselves. It has come from God. He has inherently breathed out his character into the Scriptures. It's all inspired by God. That's why you got other texts in the Bible, like Hebrews chapter 4, verses 12 through 13, which say this. For the word of God is living and active. I love it. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of the soul and spirit and of joints and of marrow and discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. You see, Paul, Paul, Paul's trying to let the reader know that this Bible is not just some book that was written. This is the literal word of God right here that works and moves and does wonders in the life of the people of God. This is why the Christian is to read daily. This is why if you've been at renewal for any length of time, you've heard us urge you to read the word of God, to drink deeply of the truths of God. Friends, hear me. God works through his word. It moves, which is, which is why in verse 16, Paul says, as he continues, Scripture is profitable. Profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Now, now, let me break this down. 
Let me break these down. You can take your pen out if you haven't already. You write this down. First, he says it's useful for teaching. This suggests that Scripture is a positive source of Christian doctrine. So, so essentially what he's saying is that the Bible is where you learn what it means to be a Christian. Did y'all catch that? This is where we learn what it means to be a Christian. You, you can't learn how to be a Christian without the Bible. Like this, this is how we learn to be a Christian. It's written for that. This is why we preach and we teach from the Bible every week. And Paul moves on and he says, second, the second use for Scripture is reproof. This lets us know that the scripture can be used to rebuke or expose the errors of false teachers. And it may also refer to reproof in our own lives where there's sin and in our own lives. That's what the scripture points out. Now, now, now hear me, whether this is reproof in a personal or in a doctrinal way, scripture can show sinners their failures. Scripture shows us our, our failures. It, it can clarify the point of mistake and then lead a person to a new sense of peace and wholeness. Now, we cannot miss this. We can't miss this because there's a whole bunch of false doctrines and beliefs floating around in the air like name it and claim it and call it and haul it. You're going to get your blessing, prosperity gospel and poverty gospel, all of that. And the reality is that, that, that that's false. I mean, y'all notice when we walked into 2021, you, you didn't see a whole bunch of memes and, and posts out there talking about 2021 going to be your year. This is the year of blessing. God got you. you. You better go get your blessing, all of this. We didn't see that floating around on the Internet because what we've learned is that in the pandemic, this ain't in our control. <laughs> we only thing we can do right now is really trust God. And if we don't trust God, we're fearful. We're, we're in the midst of our feelings. It's, it's a, we, we don't have any control. We can't claim nothing in Jesus' name. Because here's the reality. We can go on claiming it in his name up and down the highways, in the school hallways, in our jobs. In Jesus' name, this will be mine. In Jesus' name, this will happen. And the reality is if Jesus doesn't want it for you at that time, it's not going to happen. So you can claim it all you want, but you're going to be sitting soaking in a corner someplace because Jesus didn't want it for you at that time. Why don't we try a better way? Try picking up this word of God, reading through the scriptures and seeing what he desires for your life as opposed to what you desire for your life. And then saying, in Jesus name, I'm going to have it. Family, we have to know God's word in order to point out false doctrine. And we also have to know. The word in order to experience right conviction in our lives. Hear me, sin, sin will take you farther than you want to go. It'll make you pay more than you want to pay, and it'll make you stay longer than you want to stay. And, and, and here's the truth. The, the, as I said earlier, in almost every sin struggle that we have, every battle in our life where we can experience freedom, there is almost always a lack of Bible reading. There's a lack of intimacy with God. We'll keep running to other places and trying to find satisfaction over here and fulfillment over here because we're not finding it in the scriptures. And it always will be lacking if we don't find it here. 
Paul keeps going and he says, thirdly, Scripture is for correcting. Because not only does it rebuke us, but it can correct or restore us back to right relationship with God. And last, he says, his use, uh, he names his training for righteousness. Now, both this third and the fourth use, they correlate to a system of discipline like a parent would put in place to develop Christian character in their child. They describe a system of discipline in Scripture that leads to a life of holiness. What this means is that we can't just read the Bible once a week and expect change. We can't just go to church on Sunday morning and expect change. We can't just go to group once a week and expect change. No, no, no. We need to be reading the Bible daily. We need to develop a discipline in reading the Scripture which leads to holiness. But, but I, I know, I know some of y'all are sitting there saying, but Pastor D, you missing the fact that there's some, there's some, there's some inconsistencies in the Bible. There, there's some, there, there's some uh, approximations and mistakes there with the names and all of this stuff. And Scripture can't all be true if there's some mistakes, right, Pastor D? How, how is this going to lead to my holiness? Well, family, this is why Paul emphasizes that Scripture is God-breathed, which means that it's inerrant. It's infallible, meaning it's incapable of error, without error, no mistakes, freedom from error. Why? Because God is free from error. God is perfect. He's holy in all of his being. But, but, but I know, I know, I know y'all still say, well, but men, men wrote this, though. Didn't they? they? They wrote this. But again, Paul says, Scripture is God is breathed. So hear me, so even if these men wrote it, it is fully inspired by God, working through them by the movement of the Holy Spirit through the pen as, as they write down these scriptures, his, his, his letter to us. And see, see here's, here's what I'm really trying to get at as I keep combating these arguments. See, many times we argue the truth of scripture. And we try to make it about, well, men wrote it, or maybe there's some inconsistencies, and we flip through it, and we try to find all these things wrong with it. And really what's going on is that deep down inside of us in our heart, we really just don't like what it says. We don't like how it makes us feel. It, we, we don't like that it doesn't go with what I think it should say, and, and, and many of us know what it says, but we refuse to live by it. We, we don't like what it says or how it makes us feel, so we skip over that part of the Bible and we say, well, 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 God couldn't have possibly meant that. I mean, God couldn't have, he can't be that mean. No, no. And hear me, I'm going to tell you one thing, because here's the truth. It's kind of straightforward. God doesn't make mistakes. He didn't make a mistake with you. He didn't make a mistake with me. We're both fearfully and wonderfully made in his image. Now, sin could taint that picture, but God, God doesn't make mistakes. And just like he didn't make a mistake with you or me, he didn't make a mistake with his word. He is perfect and his word is perfect. And his truth is not to be processed through how we feel or what we think is right. But instead, truth should be informing our feelings and our thoughts. Truth is truth. God's word is truth. 
If this pandemic has taught us anything, it's let us know that our feelings, they, it's like a roller coaster, up and down, up and down, all around. But scripture and God, they never change. God's always been the same. He's a consistent rock. Thank you, Jesus. See, but this is where Christians, I, I believe, get in trouble. We, we struggle with taking God at his word, especially w- when what it says is completely contradictory to what the world or how I feel or what I think is right or what society says is okay. How could God be so mean? How could this not be acceptable to God? How, how is this a sin? I feel like it's right, God. And see, what we fail to understand is that when we follow truth and we live by it, it's freeing. It's freeing and it's for our good. It doesn't hold us back from experiencing goodness. No, it it allows us to truly experience goodness. See, there's not many truths in the Christian faith, but there is but one truth, and that truth is God's truth. Not yours, not mine. It's God's truth. Wayne Grudem, systematic theology professor, he has written one of the uh, the most for, uh, just read uh, systematic theology books out right now. And uh, he writes these words. He says, if the Bible does affirm something contrary to fact, then it cannot be trusted. And if the Bible cannot be trusted, then God himself cannot be trusted. To believe that the Bible affirms something false would be to disbelieve God himself. To disbelieve God himself is to place yourself as higher authority with a deeper, more developed understanding on a topic or topics than God himself. The Bible is the word of God. And it's what Christians live by. If we don't read the Bible, we won't be able to know God personally. We won't be able to know his his plans for our life. We won't won't really understand what it means to truly be forgiven. And I know some of y'all are like, well, I can pray, I can pray, and I can experience God other ways. No, no, no. This is the way he's given us to know him intimately through his word. The Bible is spiritual food for our souls. It informs your prayers. To not take part in the daily meal of reading your Bible leaves you malnourished. Which, hear me, inevitably leaves the world in need of hope. Because if you and I, who are called as representatives of the faith, now that we believe in the death, burial, and and resurrection of Jesus, if you and I are malnourished, then how in the world are we going to go out into the streets or to our jobs and proclaim the goodness of God to others? See, ministry is best done out of the overflow, which means that that after you feast it on the, the word of God and the goodness of God towards you through soaking up the word, just like anything else that's good, you can't help but to tell everybody else about it. But again, hear me, biblical alignment cannot and will not happen if you do not believe in God's goodness towards you. They go together like white on rice. 
And let me say it again if you didn't hear it earlier. You cannot have a good relationship with God if you do not have a good relationship with your Bible. It's not possible. Our passage ends by saying that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Now, this word, that, at the beginning of verse 17, refers back to verse 16, where he talked about Scripture being God-breathed and how, it was, how it's good for teaching, it's profitable for teaching, rebuke, and correction, and righteous living. And then he says that the man of God may be complete, equipped to do every good work. What is Paul saying? Paul, in this verse, is specifically talking to Timothy as a leader of the church. And he's saying to Timothy, listen to this, he's saying, if you, Timothy, abide by the Scripture, you will be prepared for whatever God might have for you to do. And let me say it again. He's saying, Timothy, if you nurture your, this spiritual life, your spiritual life in the Scriptures, the same Scriptures you will use in ministry, he will, he's saying, you will be fully qualified and prepared to undertake whatever God has for you, Timothy. Now, why is that important to you and I today? One commentator says it this way. Listen to this. He says, what a tragedy for any Christian to be labeled as spiritually unprepared for a task when the means of instruction and preparation are readily at hand. Let me, let me say that again. What a tragedy for any Christian to be labeled as spiritually unprepared for a task when the means of instruction and preparation are readily at hand. Family, hear me. All of us, believer or not, we've been given the written word of God so that we know how to live and glorify God. It's our decision to read it and drink deeply or not. Christians cannot fully live called by God if we do not know the word of God. Your life as a Christian will simply always feel incomplete. See, there's a reason why, why the Christian that does not read the Bible daily feels lonely, feels more sad, more depressed, more dissatisfied on down the line, feeling everything but complete. God did not call believers to himself or he didn't call you son or daughter without leaving you with what you need to be equipped to make it in this world with all this mess around us. No, that would make him a bad parent. For all my parents out there, emphasis on good parents. Like, who, which one of us has a kid and wants to raise them up in this world and, and, and try to give them everything that they need to make it in the world, but then we don't give them, we don't actually give them any equipment. We don't actually give them what's needed. That, that, that would make you a horrible parent. And see, God is the divine parent who, who calls you son or daughter when you believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ and leaves you with this love letter, the Bible, the scriptures, in order to live by it, in order to be complete and equipped, as Paul says. See, just as our physical bodies should be maintained and taken care of, 
when you work out, that, that's what, it's just the same way. It's when you eat well and you take care of your body, family, this Bible is to keep our spiritual lives nourished and complete and ready and willing to receive and do whatever God might have for us. See, when we read this Bible, y'all hear me, we do start to see our relationships get better. When we read this Bible, we do start to see our lives change a bit. When we read this Bible, we do start to experience prosperity on many different levels. I'm not really just talking about money. Why? Because this word is living and active. This is the written word of God. And if we neglect to read it as Christians, it's detrimental to our souls and we will miss all of the goodness of God. Mrs. Fullness. Now, I know some of you are saying, well, okay, Pastor, I got you, I got you. Where do I start? Well, hear me. I, I, I always tell people, go get you, a, get you a good study Bible. Get you a study Bible. I, my, myself, personally, I like the English Standard Version. Get you a study Bible. Start in the book of John and read about the deity of Jesus. If you want another add, addition to that, Pastor Steve gave a good resource a, a few weeks ago uh, to help frame up the whole of Scripture. It's called a, a Visual Theology to the Bible by Tim Challies. Hey, you can grab that on Amazon. Here the, here's the key. Start reading. Start drinking deeply. Watch God move in your life. Don't give up. Keep reading. Well, this all brings me back to where we started today. And where I want to end, which is the why. How does this do with, what does that have to do with our vision? Hear me, renewal. When Christians, when a Christian's life lines up with the Bible, not only does it benefit them individually, but as they start reading and their lives begin to line up, they begin to exude the truth of Scripture in front of a watching world. But in order for biblical alignment to happen, first, believers have to understand the goodness of God towards them. And once they start soaking up the goodness by reading of the word and, and their lives start lining up, I, I just need you to imagine for a moment, what, 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 what could our world look like? Better yet, let me, let me ask you this, friends, let me ask you a different way. If, especially in today, with everything that's going on, what if Christians actually lived by the word of God? What if we actually lined up with what this word actually says? How much different would our world be? How much different would it look? Think about that. Let me help you. There'd be less racism. There wouldn't have been a capital riot. All of them called themselves Christian. There wouldn't have been a capital riot if they lived by the word of God. No, no political divides, less evil and no corruption, less single parent homes, less broken marriages. We could go on and on and on. But the simple truth is that when we live by the word of God, this world is different. If we truly held this to a high standard and said we're we're going to make sure our lives line up with God's word, this world be much different. Friends, I, I, I want to challenge you, especially as we walk into this week and we start this fast. We start it tomorrow. I want to challenge you. Let's change the narrative together. Let's start striving together. 
to live lives that are biblically aligned. And in doing so, let's see this city change and ultimately the world. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your goodness. You are truly an awesome Father, an awesome God. God, let us live lives that are worthy of being called son and daughter. God, let us experience the goodness of your word. And if there's someone who's ready to give up that said, I, I've been reading, but I, I just, I'm, it's not there, Lord. I, I pray they would not stop reading the word of God, that they would not give up and that you would reveal yourself, that you would illuminate their eyes, allow them to see your truth and your goodness through the word, that they would stay there, that they would get into places of silence and solitude where they can just hear from you through your word, Lord Jesus. Pray for the person that stepped on and saying, I'm new to this whole church thing, God, that they would grab them a Bible and they would soak it up and they would ask questions, that they would seek discipleship, that we truly grow into the children that you want us to be to exemplify your goodness to the world. Let us be that church, God. Let us be that people. It's in your name that we pray all these things. And everyone said together, amen. Thanks again for tuning into our podcast today. I pray that it was a blessing and an encouragement to your soul. I look to see you at one of our services at 930 or 11 a.m. on Sunday morning. Take care. God bless you.